This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all around the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. This episode is brought to you by, woohoo, I love this company, Keep Botanicals. Keep Botanicals is a 100% plant-based brand. They are women-owned and proudly formulate clean treatments for the face, body, and hair. Keep was founded by Lisa Brill. Oh, I love that woman because of her own challenges with her thyroid and autoimmune disease. Every day, they make fresh batches of products in their California and Wisconsin skin studios. It's small batch from scratch, and it's fresh from their studios to your doorstep. Shop online at KeepBotanicals.com or pop into one of their studios. I promise you're going to love it. We have an awesome and inspiring podcast Oh, that, again, Dan Schneider hooked me up with, Nicole Johnson. I tried to get her on a little before, but the gods weren't with us. But now everything is great to go, and she's coming strong. And I think she has two surprise guests with her from New York City. Love New York. But before I introduce them, let me tell you a little bit about Nicole. And this, this doesn't even do her justice, but here you go. Nicole Johnson is the founder and creative director of Javana Productions Move, a nonprofit production arts and education company that provides people of all ages with the resources necessary to address social issues and causes creatively. We like that one. Currently studying education policy and considers herself an educator, filmmaker, an igniter of social change makers. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. All right. Now, I just want to introduce real quick, and ladies, make sure you're strong and bold near that mic. But I hear you have two surprise guests for me. Who are they? I sure enough do. So thank you for that great introduction with MOVE. What MOVE does is we provide young people with resources all throughout the nation But right now I'm in Harlem. On Wednesdays, I work with young people around an initiative called Safe in Harlem. And so I got my two friends here who lead up that initiative and they'll introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Anaya and I am the secretary of Safe in Harlem. Hey guys, my name is Daniela and I'm the president of Safe in Harlem. And so you guys are seniors, right? Yes. Yes. I just want to know. I just... I was just trying to barely get through and you guys are pioneer moving. I mean, this is unbelievable. How long have you girls been involved in the program? Um, I've been involved for about three years now. Okay. Yeah. And I've been involved, I think for roughly two years now. Okay. So I'm going to get back to you and what I'm going to do, because I love the way this is going to go. I already have my feel out, Nicole, but I want to start with you and your journey and how you got involved in with this, because I just find it fascinating. And by the way, just so you know, I am on your website and it is cool. I love it. I love all the videos. It's vibrant. It, it, you know, when, I, when you tell me your message, it definitely screams your message. So kudos to you. Thank you. No, yeah, it is, you're right. It's been a really interesting journey. I started the nonprofit when I was in high school, the same age as Daniela and Anaya. And I was very, I have a, my brother, actually, he has autism. And so autism was my first cause that I was ever um, interested in pursuing as a community organizer and as an artist. Uh-huh. Um, and because I had actually moved away from my family when I was 15. I worked in the entertainment industry for the first part of my um, high school career. And so in order to fully work in the entertainment industry, my parents moved me to New York, but they stayed back in Florida. Oh, I say. Yeah. So when I left, um, I always felt this really, this divide that I had caused in the family. And with my brother being on the spectrum of autism, I felt that I needed to be a part of advocacy in some capacity. I wanted to help my friends understand what autism was so that mm-hmm. you know, they were ever in the grocery store and they saw a kid who was, you know, wasn't able to pick up social cues or if he was acting in a way that wasn't appropriate um, to like the normal eye, that they would kind of be a little bit more empathetic and think about maybe that kid has a learning disability or a social inability um, or maybe he's on the spectrum. And so we started my nonprofit in New York 
um, because I wanted to raise awareness about autism. So I partnered with Autism Speaks. We hosted a full entire uh, two hour show. It was a dance show with all of my colleagues and well, my friends at the time, they're now my colleagues. But yeah, so we created that show and it was called Move for Autism. Um, But then after the show, it was such a blast that I, uh, everyone in the room was like, you know, you can do this for several causes. And so it wasn't just about autism. It was what is my friend Stephanie passionate about? Or what is my friend Kyle, you know, passionate yeah. about what are the other social issues and causes that we want to address? Um, and so that then branched out into MOVE, which stands for Motivation, Opportunity, Vision, Entertainment. And Love so it. young people can just be movers and address a social cause that they're interested in. Um, and over the past 10 years, as I've really honed in on what it means to be an educator and a community organizer, um, I've developed curriculum that helps us to do this more effectively in public schools, in community centers, in houses of worship, wherever kids come together. I help them to navigate the social issues that they're passionate about. Um, and that's kind of what brings me to Harlem. I was contracted recently to serve as the community coordinator um, for this Safe in Harlem initiative, specifically because of the work that I do with MOVE. It made me essentially... Um, prime for that, for this role to help them with their yearly action plan and address the social issues of substance use and misuse here in Harlem. Uh, Okay. So first of all, I have like 25 questions going in my head, but let's just start with the first one. All right. What was that like? You said you were 15, right? 15 and moving away from the family. And, uh, you know, I tell about this all the time. Sometimes the bigger picture has to get you through the fear and the pain that comes with it initially. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, I think I was really excited, actually. I felt that my excitement for being in New York um, really overpowered the huge, like, social um, chasm that I had created with my family. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Like I was, I was really, my parents instilled in me this sense of like, you're going out here on a mission. And so I always felt like I was on a mission and I was really excited to do that. I will say that I had a really hard time sometimes when my parents would leave after visiting and they'd go back home and I'd be yeah, there. Yeah. And that stuff was difficult, but you know, I had, they have this relationship with me even to today that feels like they're always with me even if they're not physically. Um, And it was about figuring out where my new family, like what other versions of family I could create in New York. And I like that. You know, a lot of people surrounded me and helped me with this uh, and they became family and still are. Yeah. So I, I love that you said that you're right because, you know, families, you know, some people don't have strong families like you, but I always say, you know, family's what you make family, you know, can be anywhere. It doesn't have to be just blood. And it's great that you consider them family. So let's back up a little bit though. Growing up, you were a kid. You, it sounds like you had strong role models with your mom and dad. Yeah. Those, they are some phenomenal people. It's ridiculous. How <laughs> My dad is the president of Clear Channel Outdoor um, in Florida. It's an advertising and billboard company. He worked his way up from that, actually. He used to put up billboards and then worked his way up to being president of the Florida division. Um, and then my mom's an anesthesiologist. She now works in aesthetics because she her dream has really been to work with patients one-on-one when they're awake. So being an anesthesiologist was more of a job for, like, you know, she wanted to have a a beautiful family that was supported. And so anesthesia is a great practice. But now that she's working with one-on-one clients around um, women's um, health and specifically around like bodily, um, like sometimes repair. Um, So I'll just share this. My mom is a uh, breast cancer survivor. And so- She works with women who have gone through that or other types of um, women uh, issues and health, you know, ailments uh, to help with repair in non-surgical ways. So she's been able to transition into this amazing new industry for herself. And they're both like go-getters, starters, and they, you know, they raised me in the church. So I had a lot of really great role models there. Um, And my family, everyone in my family is just they're all entrepreneurs in some way. So this kind of 
is just a part of the family makeup. Yeah, that, that's so cool. And then your brother, it sounds like you're really tight with your brother. Oh, yeah, that's Cootie Johnson. He's my favorite kid in the world. And he's <laughs> a nonprofit. Grant is literally, his name is Grant Johnson. And he is the the only reason that I had this nonprofit. So I kind of owe everything, my entire like success to his oh. um, disability that I thought was once more of a something to be afraid of. But really, it's something to be inspired by, which developed into my job and my yeah. livelihood. So how old is Grant now? Grant is 18. So he's Daniela and, right, you guys are 18 years old? 19? 17. 17 and 17. So, yeah, Grant is just a year older than them. And it's really interesting to see, you know, where, I'm not going to say where he should be, but the potential of kids who are on the spectrum is sometimes limited because of their um because of their learning disabilities or their inability to fit within the education systems mode of what it means mm-hmm. to be successful. And so um, seeing that you guys are the same age, but Grant functions more on a third grade level um, and gotcha. socially will ask, you know, questions repeatedly or he'll um, speak to specific topics that he's really interested in, like animals or music. And he can do this amazing thing where if you ask him, you know, Grant, what was my birthday, right? And it could be like five months later and you he'll remember what your birthday is and then he'll tell you what year you were born. And he can do the math really quickly in his head. Um, so we always quiz him at the dinner table. <laughs> Listen, you know, I don't, <laughs> I'm laughing here because my, um, my biggest thing is we're very fortunate. We have a great, great school district here and they have what's called, I don't know if you're familiar with the word IEPs. So, you know, everyone that has, you know, some sort of not probably not on the higher end of the spectrum, but some sort of learning disability. And I think it's a true gift. I watch the teachers and we're so blessed that they realize everyone has their own special gifts and how do you get it out? And not everyone learns in the same way. And the challenge is like you said, when you're sitting there with 20 or 25 or maybe even 30 kids in a classroom, it's very difficult to say, okay, well you learn this way, you learn this way. So it's a tough thing being an educator, but these programs and these initiatives that allow them to create and to explore in so many different ways. I just, every time I see someone in an IEP program and how they feel like, you know, just like, you know, especially when you're in high school, right? You don't want to be different and you don't want to feel special, but the way they build them up to feel like, no, you know, this is this is actually your superpower and this wow. is your gift to the world. It just makes me like cry with happiness, you know, and how blessed are we to have that? Because I know not every kid has that. And that's why we moved into the school district. It's right outside of Philadelphia. It's a TE shout out school district. And they're just so amazing to build kids up and say, no, you know, you have a truer gift than I do in this area and you just learn differently. So I'm, I'm just, I was so excited. I was just like, oh, this is going to be the best. So let's take it just a step back then. So you said, okay, you owe everything to him, meaning that because of him, it, well, really you wanted to learn more and do more, right? So, so people could understand, you know, like you said, yeah. even your friends in the grocery store, but when did you start developing that? Because I know you came to New York City in 15, but when did you start going, okay, this is what I'm doing? At what age? Yeah, so I think 15, I moved in, moved to New York. That year I was having this, you know, trouble with the, or this guilt with leaving the family. And so it was at the end of my, so I guess I was, I was 16. So it was in junior year that I started thinking about it. And I was really, I started off by walking around the school with this envelope with pictures of Grant on it. And I was raising funds for Autism Speaks and I got the ah. teachers to do that. And then it was a, a day in dance class where we had to choreograph some work and I created a piece and everyone, um, including my teachers at the end, uh, suggested that I, you know, really step into choreography professionally. And so this opportunity to raise funds, I was always trying to figure out how to raise funds in some capacity um, for any cause. I think 
I grew up in a in a an environment that asked you to, you know, figure out how to support yourself and your community. And fundraising was just something that I knew of. I did that all throughout high school. I used to sell like strawberries and whipped cream as the student <laughs> president. Like I used to do all of these fun types of fundraisers. And yeah. so it was like second nature to jump in and do this autism awareness show. And then it really just kind of took me on a whirlwind for the several years after of creating shows and films and galleries and opportunities for young people to raise funds and awareness. But then we really started thinking critically about the issues. Like how can I be of service to this vulnerable community became the question that mm. I on as I furthered my education, I went to college and now I'm in this education policy degree, uh, master's program at NYU. And it just keeps strengthening what the organization can be. Yeah. Yeah. So how old are you now, young lady? 26, 26. Oh, man. You've done a lot since 15. <laughs> and shout out, I love I love NYU. I was just up there and I spoke to one of the leadership, international leadership classes. And man, the, I just I just love them. The kids are they're not even kids. There's adults. There's kids. There's everything. It's wonderful. So do you go there at night, Nicole? Yeah, I do evening classes on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, I mean, yeah. um, on Tuesdays. And then, you know, each semester it changes. But the classes are really great and um, offering me a lot of insight into how I can be a strong nonprofit, like civil service organization uh, that yeah. provides additional support to the Department of Education and such. You know, I've always said this. Whenever, whenever you are spitting out of control and feeling bad for yourself and having all these negative thoughts and you don't know what solution, how to get out. I say, go help someone, go volunteer, go do something. You know what I mean? Because as soon as you do that, I I always say giving is really selfish. I really do feel that way because you always feel better. Don't you? When you do something for someone else and you, you get out there, it just, it makes you, I don't even feel like I'm a good person. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel better afterwards. So it's really better for me than it is for you. But I think it does help you not dwell in your own situation. Yeah, it's a two-way street. You're helping someone. You're also receiving that rush that we get when we're like connected to the people that are around us, right? Yeah. Um, and those vulnerable communities. And I think I'd love to have Daniela and Anaya kind of speak to this too, because what they do the initiatives have changed and I know we've gone into a lot of my history, but over the past 10 years, we've addressed lots of social issues, everything yeah. from cancer research to uh, autism, celiac disease. We've addressed issues like intolerance and bigotry and racism. And then now, Ooh. you know, we're hitting up, you know, substance use and misuse with this group in particular. Okay. Um, they, they dedicate their time every Wednesday plus um, large trips to Washington, D.C. to work with policymakers. And they're just, they're volunteering their time. And I always find it so interesting that they are um, just, they're ready and available for me. Like I send a text, I'm like, you guys, you ready to do this, you know, street cleanup or ready to do this volunteer event? And they're like, yep, we'll be there, you know? So I'd love to kind of have them answer that question too, you know? All right. So before we bring them on, just one thing you said. So I just want to make sure that everyone's clear on this. So you have these different initiatives and they're all over the place from raising awareness, you know, to really raising money for something. So this specific one is for substance abuse. Is that what you said? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Substance use and misuse is the vocabulary that we're using now. And and I can clarify it a little bit more as the program, uh, became a stronger nonprofit organization mm-hmm. um, and move became a brand. People recognized that I could help young people activate community organizing techniques in a way that maybe their organization didn't have the ability or the capacity to do. And Got so you. move has its own initiatives in public schools where students are movers for autism or movers for harm reduction or movers for cancer research. Right. And they initiate them like clubs, but then an organization can reach out to me and say, Hey, Nicole, listen, we have this group of young people that we need to have activated. Um, We don't have the capacity to do it right now. Would you jump on board? And so I'm contracted literally like an outsourced organization to come in organization. And that's what self safe in Harlem is. Um, they were functioning before I got here. And then when I jumped on, 
I was able to provide them with additional support and sometimes new opportunities like being able to chat with you. Yeah. I love the way you say activate. That's beautiful. That like come in and activate them. So how many hours a week are you there? Is that like a full-time thing for a short period of time or is it a few times a week? I mean, um, we usually meet on Wednesdays for about one or two hours, depending on the task we want to be like want to complete at that time. But a good amount of time we spent together um, coming up with new ideas or new projects that we want to put out to the community. Okay. Uh, just to remind me, who am I speaking to right now? Daniela. Daniela. So, Daniela, you're, you're a senior, right? Yes. And you're a president of the organization. Okay. So what made you want to get involved in this? Um, so, um, so our club is safe in Harlem. So it deals with substance misuse. I had a close relative that, um, was addicted to alcohol and he suffered a stroke. And so that, um, experience motivated me. I wanted to have the message across, like how adult alcohol can seem fun at the time. It also has its consequences. So I joined safe in Harlem in my sophomore year of high school and so through the projects I saw how we were actually helping the community and we were seeing we were receiving positive feedback which was amazing so where do you guys when you're in school how many kids are in a classroom right now um about 20-ish 20 and how big is your class um 85 and I were total grade ah so do you do you like it there do you love, you know, is it fun? Do you, you feel like you're getting a great education? Um, yes. I mean, of course, every high school has its ups and downs, but overall, I think I'm... Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm receiving a great education, and our school offers an IB program, which um, can lead to opportunities in college and being able to be ahead of the game. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it is good. So what is your favorite thing about being part of Safe in Harlem? Because I see you're the president, so uh, you must really, really get involved. Yeah, um, I just enjoy helping people. But also, whenever we do a project, we go back into the community to see the feedback that was given to us, whether it's actually working and being able to see how people are like, oh, this is actually helping. We see the message, we support it, means a great uh, great amount to me because it's, we're getting our message across and people are getting more aware of the issues that we want to spread and also being able to um, meet so many other people, being able to network, which is amazing skill to have. Um, mm-hmm. All the skills I'm able to build throughout my time in Saving Harlem was amazing. Um, definitely changed who I am as a person and I hope it will continue helping me. So where do you want, do you want to go to school afterwards? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I do. I want to major in neuroscience. Um, oh, <laughs> something easy, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're talented. And then I think Anaya wants to go to American, correct? Yeah, yeah, I do. All right, Anaya, you're up, girlfriend. All right, so now let me ask you this, all right? So did you grow up in Harlem? Um, yes, I actually grew up in between Flushing, Queens and Harlem. And so always going through that shift in culture because it's two different kind of communities. Um, I would say kind of helped me grow an interest for substance abuse because it's such an issue that's prevalent here amongst my community. But when I Got go to Queens, it's not um, an issue that people usually talk about or acknowledge. Isn't that crazy? Because I love New York City. I love the whole thing. And I know all the different areas, but they're so different, aren't they? Like you're, you know, like Hell's Kitchen is so different than Queens. It's amazing that you just go a few blocks and the whole culture changes. Yeah, I definitely love New York and how um, diverse it is. Yeah. Um, And I definitely also love traveling the distance in between the two and um, really pointing out those cultural um, differences. So tell me, because I know a lot of people, I mean, I've been in Harlem, they might think, oh my gosh, Harlem, it's so scary and dangerous. What is your opinion of Harlem now? I think that it is such an unfair stereotype to put on Harlem. Harlem is a very nurturing, tight-knit community. Um, Rarely there are, I mean, of course, every community has its like ups and downs, but Harlem overall, um, the community is really close-knit. 
Um, and we all relate to each other despite our um, cultural differences. Mm. Some people this language. Some people came from here. So we all blend. Um, and I think that's just kind of inevitable when you're in a marginalized community. Um, I just feel like we all blend together all well. Um, and also Harlem has been becoming gentrified in recent years. So it's also significant. We're also meshing and blending and becoming aware of that together. Um, so it's really interesting. Yeah. I love the way you put that. These are some talented ladies. I'm thinking I can not even say it that eloquently. I'm like, that's amazing. So, all right. Now, what do you want to go to school for? I know you said you're, I know where you're going, but what are we going for? Honestly, I can't say that I really know, but I'm going through the route of advocacy. I think my main thing that I will try to pursue is law, just because I, I've developed a passion for that in recent years. And if I don't do that, then I'll probably do something related to politics. Okay. So I don't know. I feel like Americans to perfect school. If I change my mind, like no matter what, the programs encompass all of those. Yeah, I, I changed my mind like 17 times. So it's, it's okay. I always tell people, as long as you're open, I always gave everything my all, but I was open to new opportunities and it led me down so many different paths. All right. So one more question. What's your favorite hobby? What do you like to do on the side? Well, um, I like reading a lot and I also okay. like writing. Um, I've always had a passion for English and literature and these kinds of things. But recent times, I've also been really into public speaking and just um, becoming more aware of what's happening in my community, um, Okay, which I think isn't really a hobby, but it's a passion that I've developed over time. And I yeah. definitely think part of Safe in Harlem has really helped me um, kind of find myself in terms of that work. So you say you write. What kind of writing? Um, it depends. I used to do a lot of creative writing, but I really enjoy doing kind of articles and different kinds of things like that. So another career route I actually would consider is journalism. Oh, I gotcha. Well, I, you know, I'm so happy. I don't know who came up with this idea, but I love it, Nicole, that you you brought them on because I want to hear from them. And the thing that I really like, I think Daniano said it, is, and this is a big mistake that corporations make, and you guys are doing it. You're going back out there. I know it sounds crazy. It's so basic. And you're asking the people what's working and what's not working. And that sounds like, duh, but believe it or not, even people on social media, they're not saying, you know, what would you like to see? What would you like to hear? Did this work for you? Did this help you? And that's huge that you guys are doing that. That's awesome. So- you know, you get to go back in there and say, okay, did this really help? And guess what? It's not going to be a hit all the time and it helps redirect you. So that's really cool. Nicole, um, are you out a lot? Like do you, you in the community too? Yeah. So I'm, I'm at nine different sites right now. Um, and so I'm pretty much at my capacity. Then I bring on staff members to do other engagements with schools and other institutions like Safe in Harlem. Okay. And so I'm normally out, like I have presentations at a public school from 7 to 11 a.m. in the morning. And then sometimes I'll have presentations at a church or a dance studio from 6 to 9. And then I, I have my Wednesdays with my Safe in Harlem girls. But I have nine different sites that are actually on my website um, that like Rosie's Theater Kids, Rosie O'Donnell's Theater Kids, the Professional yeah. Performing Arts High School, Arts and Edge, uh, Education Continuum, Forestdale. I have all of these different organizations that have contracted me to jump on. So when you when you're contracted, then do, is it everybody different? Because I just want to make sure they are aware of what you can do. Is sometimes it just once a week, a few hours? Like what's your contract? Yeah. So they're all individual education programs. So what's really interesting that you brought up this whole idea about um, IEPs. I've done this thing where I really want to rebrand IEPs and I believe that everyone deserves an individual education program. So, and let me kind of give you some context about that. The reason why I think that everyone deserves an education, individual education program is because I um, had a, I guess they call them is for people who are excelling or gifted students. I had an individual education program myself and my brother had one. And so this idea of, making sure that a student is fully seen, like a holistic approach to the student, understanding that they come from 
a variety of different cultures. They may learn in a different way. They may have, we don't want to be subtractive and take any of their culture away from them while we're trying to impart knowledge. We have to be really aware that human beings are complex. And so a group of human beings in an organization is going to be even more complex. So the reason I say all of this is because that's what really fuels the curriculum that I designed for each program. So what happens is I called into a school, I'm contracted, I spend some time with the kids. um, And then I say, um, okay, let me take three weeks to do a um, kind of like a follow spot of some of the teachers and the students. Yeah. Learn about them. And then I learn about the issues they're passionate about. And then I develop curriculum from then on. And so there are seven different types of engagements that I can offer students. They're traveling intensives, um, entire school day, like academic day curriculum that I can create. I can create after school programming, service opportunities. Basically, I create a program for each of the groups of students I interact with. Um, And so, yes, throughout the week, things are extremely different. Um, And I... Um, I try and be as cognizant as possible of the differences within my students. And then I like to bring them together sometimes in larger scale events. So I love that you're doing that because it's not cookie cutter. So you, I love that you said that you go in and sometimes it'll take you three weeks because you want to meet with the teachers and the kids that you're dealing with so that you know the best product to provide for them. And when you yeah. say the students you're dealing with, so that does it usually just a certain group versus the entire school? Yeah. So normally it depends. So I do work with an entire school right now. I have two schools that I'm doing that with. Um, But then I also work with individual groups that are passionate about specific social issues. So, for example, within one of my schools, the Professional Performing Arts High School, Mm -hmm. I develop um, in-school or academic day programming where I spend time with um, the teachers and with the administration or like the administrative staff. Uh, And I help them with unconscious bias, but then I also help their students kind of like tap into culturally responsive curriculum during the day. And so what ends up happening is that then a small group of kids may say, oh, Nicole, we really wanted to address some racial inequity that we're seeing in our school. Maybe the Black Student Union comes to me or the LGBT Student Union comes to me. And so then I work on a project with them separately. Yeah, because every school is going to have different needs. I love that. And I love that you're addressing all of them. So I want to just go back a little bit. So right now you're, you said you're 26 years old. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Mm -hmm. I just love this stuff. I love what you're doing. And yeah, I mean, I just love it. And I'm just recapping for everyone because it's a lot to take in that your company, you're, like you're saying, you get contracted. I love it. Could be a group, could be a whole school. You know, you take time, you develop and you see what the teachers need and the students need. And I think that's all great. But I was just on your website and yeah. you do a lot more, too. So let's go a little bit more, you know, about what your entire company does, because I'm looking at move here and there's a lot going on. Like they can hire you. Right. Mm-hmm. to do yeah. other things for other people's business. So let's speak about that too. Yeah. So you must get I, bored easily, woman. Uh, no, not at all. So what ends up happening is what ended up happening. The reason why we developed the move agency tab, essentially um, it is a full service um, marketing agency that provides small businesses, campaigns, and other um, social good campaigns with the resources that they need to advocate for their brands. So what we needed to do at one point, writing grants wasn't my forte. So I was like, I need to find some sources. I need some sustainability. I needed a source Mm -hmm. of income to help me um, fund the programming. Um, Much later, I found out that I could fund and I could find funding in other ways besides grant writing. But at the time, business was what I knew, and I knew how to, you know, activate social media. I knew how to create customized marketing packages. I knew how to plan events and to, you know, uh, conduct photography sessions and videography. And so we launched this full service um, agency so that we could give 33% of each transaction or sale to a small business uh, we could give that back to the nonprofit to fund all of our education programming. And so that would also help with capacity building. 
because I would go out, meet with an organization. Let's say when we had a chapter out, we had a chapter out in Utah that I really launched this in. And it was very easy to tap into the small business market. And so I could go over to a tire company that needed a video for their um, website. And then their children would or their, you know, the mother or the father involved at that business would say, I want you to go over to the school to, you know, the school nearby. My daughter goes there. She'd love your program. And I love the fact that half or 33 percent of my um, sale or my purchase goes back to that school. And I was like, sure. So then I set up a program right at that school. So it really helps me with connections as well. I, I just found a method by which I could really activate um, the education program because I needed to do capacity building at the same time. And I also needed to get paid. And so I think that was, you know, just some creativity with social entrepreneurship that I came up with that kind of helped me to really launch the business. And it got us going for those first, like, yeah. those first few years I was at a college. It really helped me out. It's ingenious. It's ingenious. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. It, like, I know it sounds like, oh, yeah, well, I just, just went from A to B to C, but it's in, it's ingenious. So are you still going strong in that, or was that just to get you launched? No, that's still happening. What, what's amazing about it, so I, I did start that chapter in Utah, which is still up and functioning. But what I'm trying to find now is how I can be, how I can train and establish movers like me in all of my chapter states so that programming can still manifest in those states where it was really like Utah was one of my like strongest states for that, that marketing uh, model that we had designed. And so when I came to New York, Oh, go ahead. No, I said crazy. It's just crazy. Like Utah. I would never think of Utah. Well, it was phenomenal. I kind of, I've known about the community and I revisited there after, um, having performed there when I was in high school. And I was like, this is the place to kind of like, I could get my feet in the ground and practice the model and see if it works. And it did. And so when I came back to New York, it also launched in a wonderful way so much that I'm also able to employ young people and um, others, people who are at my, like who are around my age, who are trained in our marketing practices, which is normally around photography and videography creating uh, customized videos for their for people's websites. Yeah. I basically can employ these young people who have grown up with the organization after they're trained and they get equipment. Um, and so people still donate time or funding from their from that sale. So for example, we've taken on in New York a sole proprietorship kind of method where we ask people in a membership way to donate back to the organization, whether it is via your time you can come in and teach a class or you donate money back to the organization or you donate um, your expertise and your um, your skill set. So a lot of my videographers do pro bono work for other educational projects with us. Like if we have a day where we want to do, um, let's say, PSAs, mm-hmm. public announcements with the young yeah. people here and we need to film them. So I gave a job to one of my videographers and then he comes over to work with the kids. And so essentially he's given us that pro bono work. Um, And then sometimes tell you the truth, it's gotten to the point where our members who get work from us um, are working at such a rate that it is beyond the 33% um, return that we had originally established out in Utah. You know, these, these people are like, working full-time education jobs with me in -hmm. different instances, and then also utilizing the connections that we have with small businesses to get paid otherwise. So it's, um, it's a model that I'm, that differs for each state, I believe um, as as we're working on it, because the cost of living in New York is different than the cost of living in Utah. Um, and so I had to be cognizant of that and recognize that people need to get, people need to get paid fully in order to live here. Um, and then they also, but they can give back in a different way. So it's always about like, how can we figure out a way for this for-profit model to benefit the nonprofit? And uh, I, sometimes- I got it. Yeah, You're you making know. my head spin. It's so exciting. 
Oh, good. Uh, glad to hear in a good you. way. So what states you said, what states are you in right now? You mentioned that you had several states. Yeah. So we're in Utah, New York, California, Florida, and Texas. Um, but we have members in several states, including Pennsylvania over there okay. in Philly, um, Philly, New Jersey, Kansas, uh, Nevada. What else do we have? Washington, D.C. We have members in several states. Whether we're able to activate them really depends on my ability to get to that state and start the chapter. Um, and then, of course, if there is funding to sustain that person. Um, so those are the challenges, I think, always. Um, I've been able to really activate it here. So a lot of my New York movers are going to have jobs within the next couple of months because of all the new contracts that I'm taking on and the help that I need. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being able to write those first checks to like have people concretely working for move outside of that sole proprietorship model. Like we're transitioning out of it. And I'm really yeah. happy to say that um, it is a creative way um, and it has been wonderful doing that. But it's difficult to maintain a for profit and a nonprofit. Honestly. Yeah, it's a lot of work. So I'm excited that we're getting a lot of grant funding. We're state funded. Um, for, through certain contracts. We're funded through the city for certain contracts. And then we have lots of private donors and private foundations that support us. So we're starting to move and I'm really excited about it. Oh, you should be. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. So a couple things. Uh, personally, I'm going to have to figure out how to do something with you because my brain is just clicking over here and we got to put Pennsylvania on the map and we'll talk later, but just so everyone knows. So I've been recently going more into school systems because we talked a little bit about what I do, but mine is usually using, you know, by the way, I was a dance major, so I'm with you, girl. I love all this stuff. And I did grow up, you know, humble beginnings in the project. So a lot of this really does resonate with me. And the other thing is, though, with my system, I've owned health clubs for over 30 years. And I've always used fitness as my vehicle to create the positive set, you know, and the positive mindset. And like my son always goes, Mom, you know, there's not, you know, everything's not good. My, my son's a freshman in high school and he, you know, he makes me want to be a better person every day. But he always says to me things like, Mom, you know, not everything is good in the world. And just yesterday I go, dude, I know not everything is good in the world, but I'm choosing to highlight all the good in the world. And I'm choosing to highlight the good within me and others. And that's what I do. But that being said, that's why I started this podcast. And I've also have a branch called let's keep a real that I go into college it is right now campus and they're a who, and we have a panel of four kids and I learned so much from them. And right now I'm trying to get in high schools, but recently I've been going in and doing things more for the mindset area and stress and anxiety area and teaching teachers or kids, you know, little things they can do every day, but somehow we got to put this together because it's all the same, you know? And I'll tell you who gave me a run for my money. Teachers are fine. High school kids, middle school. I went in, Nicole, to a bunch of first graders. Oh my goodness. Did they keep me on my toes? They asked me so many questions. I didn't even have the answers to, and it was great. And I thought, wow, you know, now I'm more passionate in really starting them young. Do you know what I mean? I want to have implemented different techniques and tools to help with anxiety and stress at a young age to create those positive habits. So along with what you do and the dancing, I don't know. I got to do something here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm hiring you. I don't know what, but something's got to go. And what I even like more is that you have all these causes, you know, that it's not just one you know, it's great. It's like what they need you, you know, and what, the, you know, is relevant for them in that area. So it's amazing. So anyhow, I guess I could cheat your horn on and on, but I want to make sure before I go, like what's going on right now, as far as what's your, I know you have a lot of programs, but is there any new like event going on that people can come to? Oh yeah. Wow. Plenty of things. So, so they should go on your website basically. They should, but I think there's also what we do because there are so many events. We like to have at least one kind of mover meeting that happens um, every two months. And so our next mover meeting is on March 24th, and I'd be happy to invite people to that. What we do, it's actually an artist salon. 
that happens on that Sunday. And um, the artist salon is in the evening. All of us, many of us are artists. And so we we want to be able to practice our art as well as work in this education and community organizing space. So we also present ideas for like what's happening with this public school over here or what's happening with, you know, this performance space over here. We, we enjoy um, planning and organizing together amidst our artistry. So that's an event that anyone is um, invited and welcome to join. And I would just have them email me at Nicole.Johnson1306 at gmail.com. But then there are so many really cool initiatives I would really encourage someone to email me and tell me what issues they're passionate about. And then what would happen is I would connect them to one of the the um, programs or activities that are going on weekly because our racial inequity work in Midtown is amazing. We have a participatory action study that's happening in um, Queens and in Harlem around LGBT substance use and misuse for young people. We have a lot of different initiatives that have ongoing programming. And so it's really about what issue you're passionate about. And then let me get you tapped in because it's not just for kids. What we do is we have intergenerational classrooms. Yeah. And so anyone is welcome to serve as a volunteer, as a community organizer, as someone who just wants to be a part of the conversation. The kids are really, you know, learning at a really high level. And so it's, it's not like we're in a, a classroom where adults won't feel uh, like they're not like they're, you know, sitting in the back, they will be engaged in the conversation. So that's how I would suggest people get involved um, is that. And then on April 26th, we're screening our documentary um, coming up uh, that we filmed for the past three years. So looking forward to that. And can we know what the title is or is that a secret? The title is called State of Soul. It really talks about how, as an educator, I navigate the state of soul that we are currently experiencing in our divided climate and in our historically uh, marginalized communities. <sighs> Nothing heavy right there. Anywho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's all right. It's well needed, young lady. It's well needed. So, all right. Lots to take in. Lots to be inspired. Lots of information. Let me just ask one more question before we close out for those who are not like, you know, in New York, because you have a lot going to New York and maybe it's Pennsylvania or maybe it's another state and you feel like you want to do something in your community. How do you get started? Like, where do you go? Yeah, it's always um, it's always about creating accountability partners and finding a group to do this work with. I really think that it's necessary for organizers to ensure, not even just organizers, but people who want to affect change, you got to do it with other people. So I would say get together with the strongest minds that you know and tell them that you're interested in addressing something. And by the end of that meeting or that coffee date or that lunch or whatever, just set for yourself a goal to say, I want to at least have something tangible um, or something like to look forward to event wise or gathering wise um, around this issue that I came into this room with. You know, you have to, you get into the room and that's where the magic happens. As long as you all show up and you talk it out and you are solution oriented, meaning you will have something at the end of this meeting, um, that's how you get started. Right. And then you just repeat that process. And it's a marathon. It's more than uh, it's not just like a sprint and get it done. It's like, how many times can I continue to do this um, so that I can continue to light up the little corner of the world that I have um, and keep it bright? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. All right, Nicole. Well, it's been a true, true pleasure. And I appreciate your time. Is there anything that we didn't go over that you want to get in? Um, I don't think there's anything in particular, but you know, I think I want to make sure that people know that I love collaborating. I take on a lot of projects, but I got a lot of um, support to be able to make that happen. Okay. Um, and so I think as long as people, if anyone is ever interested, I'm an open door around, even if you're in a different state, move is everywhere because of all of our members. Um, and it's possible for us to start things together, you know? So if you don't know anyone in your community and you're looking for someone to work with, I'm sure that it's either me 
or other friends that are in um, this movement uh, that would be very willing to be on a phone call and start working with you in some capacity. I love that. And I love that you said collaborate because I was just talking to somebody else and, you know, breaking into the school system, colleges and high schools. Um, it's so different. Like colleges are more open, the high schools, you know, it's very political in some areas in the middle schools and the elementary schools. But recently I've had few leaders who were like, come up, we'll teach you everything. We don't, we don't want to own this. Sandy, we don't want you to come up here and teach here because we already have established. We want to teach you everything so you can go into other school systems. And I thought, holy cow, how refreshing. You know, she's like, well, what do you mean? I go, that's not always the case. People want to take ownership for it. You know, they want it to just be new. And I said, me, it's not like I don't want to do it, but I just want to get it out there in any way possible. And it sounds like that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's exactly. It is not move is a culture more than it is an organization. So what we want to do is just make sure people take on the tenets of like helping people of all ages address the social issues they're passionate about. And so if I can ingrain that like idea and that idea will look different for everyone and manifest differently, if I can help people tap into it themselves, that's why I always say that I'm a, an igniter of social change makers. Because once I ignite you, then you're set. Yeah. I don't need to stick with you. You don't need to keep my program. As long as you have that, that sense of civic engagement, community service and creativity in your heart, yeah. It's going to go with you through every job that you have. And that's really what my mission is. Cool. I love the mission. All right. Well, are the ladies still there or did they step out? They stepped out because they're actually working on a TED Talk um, presentation for June 2nd. And so they're working on their flyer. It's a TED Talk-esque kind of thing where they're yeah. hosting a day where each of them has a presentation. So they're getting their flyer and their Facebook event ready and they're going public in the next couple of days. Well, you make sure you thank them. I'm so glad they took the time to come on. Yeah, I was happy. Thank you for letting them be on. They um, These experiences are great, and it really raises our social capital when we can speak to people who are doing this work in different places. Um, as people of color, I think it's it's a wonderful opportunity to engage in these opportunities with other professionals. So thank you for it. Oh, it was fun. I love it. All right, Nicole, well, we have to wrap up. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I'm so glad you're doing this. You you really got it going on in so many directions, but it does seem like you're well organized and you can take it on. So kudos to you. I am sure we will be talking again, but everybody for Let's Keep It Real, I'm Sandy Joy Weston. And until next time, remember, highlight the positive in yourself, in your community, in your home and in the world. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.